Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. Um, Some of you aren't going to have time to work out later in the day, so I'm going to give you a little extra exercise. Um, So if you would stand with me, please, if you are able, uh, if you would stand. And I'd like to invite you uh, to say the Lord's Prayer with me this morning. It should appear magically on the screen behind me. There it is. All right. Uh, Join me in prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Stay standing for a minute, if you would. You know, this prayer has been around for about 2,000 years. And those of us in this room have been uh, introduced to it or not introduced to it uh, at different times and in different ways, depending on perhaps our age, our background, um, where we grew up, uh, the type of home that we grew up in. Uh, but it's a, it's a prayer that Jesus gave to his followers uh, about 2,000 years ago, as I said, um, and he gave it to them to be prayed Uh, And I just want to do a little bit of an experiment this morning. It it might kind of start to feel like one of those family reunions where they're like trying to find out who drove the farthest, you know, and there's a prize. Um, So don't get excited. There's no prize. Um, But but I thought this would be a a great way for us to get a visual uh, of how prominent this prayer is among uh, practicing Christians like ourselves uh, in a church like ours. Um, And I don't want you to feel really good if you get to stay into the end. And I don't want you to feel really bad um, if you sit down right away, because it's not what this is about. Um, But just a visual. um, Let's start with this. Um, So if you've heard of the Lord's Prayer before, um, stay standing. Okay? Um, If you, at some point in your life, whether simply through repetition of hearing it or being instructed to do so, Uh, you memorize the Lord's Prayer um, by heart, Uh, stay standing. If not, have a seat. Okay. Um, Let's see. If if you have prayed, if you can recall praying the Lord's Prayer um, at least once in the last year, uh, stay standing. If not, have a seat. Uh, If in the last three months, you think, you have prayed the Lord's Prayer on your own, in your own devotion time, or prayer time, or family prayer time, stay standing. If not, have a seat. If in the last week uh, you have said the Lord's Prayer, either as a family, uh, or in community, or as an individual within that last week, stay standing. If not, please have a seat. If This morning, before we all just did it together, uh, you said the Lord's Prayer, uh, stay standing. Uh, 
It's interesting, isn't it? Um, it's just, I'm curious. Uh, and I thought that would be a good way to get, even just for myself, but I, but I think for all of us, kind of visual representation of how much we as a community, we as Christ followers and the type of church that we uh, are in, how much the Lord's Prayer factors into our daily, weekly uh, faith practices. Uh, you know, what I've learned over the years and, and what I've picked up from other people is that we tend to do what we understand. We tend to do what makes sense to us. Uh, so if something doesn't make sense to us or, or we feel like we don't understand it, there's a, there's a really good chance we simply won't do it. I, I drive people crazy sometimes because um, I, want to, I want to know why quite often. Uh, I want to understand the why uh, because it's necessary for me to buy in. If I'm at physical therapy, which unfortunately I've done many, many times, and they have me doing some tedious activity that seems pointless to me, uh, I need to know why they want me to do it. What, what is the purpose of this and how does it work if I'm going to buy in. So a lot of times we don't buy into something because we lack the understanding. Uh, we don't have the why of the do. And the other thing is we, we tend to do things that we find beneficial. Uh, so if, if, if we know we're supposed to do something but we don't see any tangible benefit from it, a lot of times that will just slowly uh, slip out of our life because uh, we're not seeing the benefit of it. Uh, it's one of the reasons that um, I find myself exercising as much as I do is because the benefits of it are so apparent to me. Um, with a little bit of a back condition, depending on the day, it's a lot of it. Um, just the ability to move, whether it's to get into the gym or out on a trail or some you know, yoga stretching type of exercise, I see that immediate benefit. Um, and so I find that regularly uh, in my life. Uh, to bring that to the, to the Lord's Prayer, you know, I grew up, some of you may have a similar uh, story. Maybe you grew up in a Lutheran church or a Methodist church or uh, a Catholic church. I, I grew up in the Lutheran church, and the Lord's Prayer was a prominent part of our services, um, along with the Apostles' Creed and liturgy and all those kinds of things. Uh, and so that's how I grew up. Uh, but it wasn't until later, when I was invited to a Bible study in a non-denominational church, that my faith really became my own that I felt like the Lord had uh, kind of in encountered me, or I had encountered the Lord, and he was calling me to something different, uh, more commitment, more of my heart, more of my life. And, and so I associated that with this new model, uh, the non-denominational model, which is a lot like what we see here. And, and so in my mind, you know, the old that I had grew up with didn't work. <laughs> and it was time to be out with the old, uh, and in with the new. And so things like uh, the Lord's Prayer just kind of fell away from my life because I, I didn't see the benefit in that anymore. Well, this week, uh, we're kicking off a new series, uh, which, if you haven't guessed it yet, uh, is based on the Lord's Prayer. Um, if you didn't guess that, we do still have some coffee, if you hurry, um, in the cafe. Uh, but we're going to focus on the Lord's Prayer for the next five or six weeks, and here's something to think about. For 2,000 years, give or take, uh, people who name the name of Christ 
have gathered in everything from caves to castles. Whether imprisoned or free, they have come together in, in house churches and mega churches and Catholic churches and Lutheran churches and they have come together and prayed this prayer. Uh, that this prayer factored into a life and guided the faith life of, of those who have come before us for centuries, guided the lives of people who have changed the world in ways that we take for granted today. Hospitals and schools and orphanages and all the things that came out of the Christian faith. Many of these people had their lives and their prayer lives deeply rooted in this prayer that Jesus handed to his disciples during his time on earth. And it's my hope, it's our hope, that, that as we go through this series, that, that your understanding of the Lord's Prayer, of its significance, of its meaning, that it would make sense to you. And that you would begin again to see the benefit as a follower of Jesus, of this prayer that was intended for followers of Jesus, and that maybe it might regain prominence in your life once again. And why would that be important? Why would it be important for the Lord's Prayer to become a part of your life? Well, I think there's two really good reasons the first is that we get a glimpse of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. That he could have chosen to tell his disciples to pray about anything, and yet he chose these particular things. And it tells us something of what he understood his Father's purposes in this world to be, as well as his own, and that he chose to invite us. He chose to invite his disciples into those purposes. Uh, and secondly, uh, the praying of this prayer, when done with understanding, has an orienting effect. Uh, that no matter how we come to this prayer, whatever our state of mind might be, uh, that this prayer has the effect of focusing us in, uh, of reordering our priorities, and teaching us something of who we are and what we are to be about as followers of Jesus. So what is this prayer? Uh, well, today we're going to take a look at the first two lines that we prayed earlier. Uh, we're only going to cover one verse today. And that verse is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. And it's this. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father. Uh, Jesus instructs him to call, instructs us to call him our Father. Our Father. Uh, that word Father is so significant. Uh, 
in the Greek in which Matthew originally wrote this, or the Aramaic in which Jesus likely prayed it, it would have been the first word uttered from Jesus' mouth. Father. Uh, Matthew has been careful to give us Jesus' instruction to his disciples leading up to this prayer. And Jesus has used the phrase, your Father, uh, eight times in the verses leading up. He, he has been setting the stage for who his followers approach in prayer. You see, prayer, if you stop to think about it, prayer is not unique to Christianity. In Jesus' day, prayer wasn't even unique to Judaism. Virtually every, if not every, religion in the world has some kind of prayer associated with it. And that's why Jesus says in the verses just before our, our verse today, uh, he says, in speaking of the Gentiles, he instructs his disciples, and, and when you pray, in Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8, do not heap up empty phrases. It could also be um, understood as babbling. Do not go on babbling as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Why not? Because your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. For those of you who may not know, the Gentiles were anyone who was outside of the Jewish faith, outside of the Jewish nation. Basically, anyone that practiced any other kind of religion um, would have been considered a Gentile. And so he says that all these other religions, all the other people that follow them, they're approaching these gods that are made by hands or these gods that have been created in their own imagination, and they're out to uh, court their favor, uh, to appease the gods or, or to manipulate these gods. And they think they're going to do that through the use of, of babbling phrases, uh, that if they go on and on and on, that somehow that will coerce the gods to respond. And Jesus says, don't be like them because you don't pray to a nameless, faceless God. You pray to a father. A father. If you've been around any time at all, you'll understand that there's, there's a couple of different ways of relating to and with people. Uh, the first one we might call a business relationship. Uh, that relationship is based on me having something for you, and vice versa, that you have something for me. Uh, on the other side of that is what we might call a family relationship. And while the business relationship is based on me having something for you, uh, family is based on who I am to you, Family is based on who you are to me. And so you might be in a business relationship, and, and that relationship seems very, very good. But as soon as the exchange stops, relationship breaks down. The Gentiles believed that they would be heard because of the exchange, because they brought many, many words because they thought that was persuasive, that they sought to manipulate. Uh, 
Jesus says you're not in a business relationship. You're in a family relationship. And why do we believe that we are heard? Because we pray to a father. We believe we are heard because of who is listening. That the one who listens, the one who hears, is a father. In the previous verses, Jesus tells us that this father, though he's hidden, though we do not see him, that he sees us. That, that though he's hidden, though he resides in, in secret places, that he knows us. He knows what we need even before we ask him. Now, Scripture in general, and Jesus in particular, they use this metaphor or this picture of a family to describe the relationship between God and his children, between God and us. But we understand that to use those metaphors, to use those analogies, to use that language can be painful for some. Uh, that the concept of a father can immediately cause pain for some, or that the concept of a mother can immediately uh, cause pain for another uh, because of what you've experienced or perhaps because of what you have not experienced. And so for Scripture and for Jesus to use these words is not to discount any of that. It's not to discount the reality or the brokenness or the pain associated with that. Far from it, as we proceed through this passage, we see that Jesus in his prayer recognizes and acknowledges all of the pain, all of the brokenness. It's why he came. And so it's not an idea, it's not an appeal to your experience with a father. It's not an appeal to your experience with family, but it's an appeal to an ideal. And what I found time and time again is that even with those of us who have had those painful experiences, who still carry pain from the brokenness of those relationships, is that God has placed deep within us an understanding and a concept of what a father should be. Uh, that still we will find ourselves longing for, hoping for, what we know could be and what we know should be. And it's that that Jesus responds to here in talking of this father. And he calls us to be like this father. He calls us to, to pray for our enemies, uh, to, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Why? So that we can be sons and daughters of our Father. Because this Father sends the Son to shine on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Why? Because this Heavenly Father perfect. He embodies everything that a father should be. 
And that's why we believe that he hears us when we pray. And so the prayer begins, Our Father in heaven. Uh, While Father speaks of intimacy uh, and speaks of relationship and knowing, uh, in heaven reminds us of God's greatness, of his power, of his majesty. Uh, Father speaks of his goodness and his benevolence towards his children, while in heaven speaks of and reminds us of his otherness. That, that yes, he is, we are, better said, we are like him in many ways. That we've been created in his image. We are all image bearers of God. That, that we can come to an understanding of some of who he is and some of what he is because we're like him. And yet the fact that he is our father in heaven reminds us that he is so much bigger he is so much greater uh, that, that it is impossible for our finite minds to comprehend all that he is or even to imagine all of his goodness and graciousness. And so he is our father, a loving father, and yet he is other. N.T. Wright author and commentator writing on the Lord's Prayer, and you're going to hear from him a few times today because uh, he says a few things so well uh, that I just wanted to hear, I wanted you to hear it from him rather than from me. Uh, But he says it this way, he says, the prayer starts by addressing God intimately and lovingly as Father and by bowing before his greatness and majesty. He says, if, if you can hold those two things together, then you're already on your way to understanding what Christianity is all about. It's all about a Father who loves us and yet possesses wisdom and power and majesty that are beyond our comprehension. And so we approach with confidence And we also bow before him. We often describe Jesus as the son of God. But I don't think we often take the time to think about what it meant for Jesus to be the son of God. You see, in Jesus' day, a son in a family was apprenticed to a father. That whatever the father was, the son would become. That the son would see his father working his trade and learn from the father. That if his father was a shepherd, he would become a shepherd. If his father was a farmer, he would become a farmer. If his father was a stone worker, he would see the art of working and shaping stone. And he himself would become a stone worker as well. The son learned by watching the father. And Jesus tells us that he was an apprenticed son to his father. He says in John chapter 5 and verse 
19. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees His Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. You see, Jesus was an apprentice to the Father. And let me tell you what an apprentice does. And, and if, you, if you remember only one thing from today, uh, my hope would be that you would remember this. Uh, what it meant for Jesus to be an apprentice to the Father and what it means for us to be apprentice sons and daughters. And I tried to put a little rhyme in it so that maybe you could remember it uh, through the week this week. But an apprentice is one who looks to the Father to see how it's done. An apprentice is one who looks to the Father to see how it's done. And that apprentice, whenever an apprentice runs into a problem, runs into a new scenario, an issue that he or she has not seen before, what do you think that apprentice does? Looks to the master. Looks to the father to see how he handles it, to see how she would handle it. What we see when Jesus knows that his time has come, that, that the end of his ministry is drawing to a close, and, and he gathers his disciples for a final Passover meal, which would have been on the night before Good Friday, that, that Jesus gathered together with his disciples. He laid out important truths for them to know before it was his time to go. And then knowing what was coming, knowing his arrest and crucifixion were near, he went to the garden to pray. Jesus, the apprentice son, went to the garden to pray to his Father in heaven. It's a time when perhaps more than ever in the Gospels, in the, in the stories of Jesus' life, that we see the humanity of Jesus front and center. You see, Jesus is facing something much like an apprentice would, something he's never seen before, stepping into new territory, a new situation, facing the crucifixion. And he tells his disciples, he asks them to pray. He explains that his soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. And then he goes by himself and prays. He, he comes back to check on the disciples who he's asked to pray along with him during that time. He, he sees that they are sleeping. And then he acknowledges something again, a phrase that many of us are familiar with because we find it in ourselves. Jesus says to his disciples, the spirit is willing the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. And in that weakness, we, we see the son checking back with the father. N.T. Wright describes it this way. 
Uh, he says that's what Jesus is doing in Gethsemane. Uh, when everything suddenly goes dark on him, he approaches the Father in prayer and says, Father, is this the way? Is this really the right path? Do I really have to drink this cup of suffering? What we see in Gethsemane is the apprentice son checking back one more time. One more time to see how the father is doing it. And what is the project that father and son together are engaged upon? Nothing less than the new exodus. Rescuing Israel and the whole world from evil, injustice, fear, and sin. We learn from this. We learn from the life of Jesus and the prayer that he has given us that, that saying our Father is about more than just entering the presence of God. That it's acknowledging our own apprenticeship to the Father. It's acknowledging that we are an apprentice son or that we are an apprentice daughter. Jesus says in John chapter 20, verse 21, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. When we say our Father, we are signing on for the kingdom. We're joining the mission, and it's a mission of rescue. It's a mission of rescue from evil and injustice, of rescue from fear and from sin. And an apprentice, an apprentice is one who looks to the Father to see how it's done. And so when we see these things like injustice in the world, as apprentice sons, apprentice daughters, we check back with the Father to see what He is doing, to see how He is doing it. What is His mission of rescue for this? And how would He have me step in? What is my place? What is my role? This is what an apprentice does. An apprentice is one who looks to the Father to see how it's done. And T. Wright, with the third and final quote for you today, says, This then is the pattern of Christian spirituality. It is not the selfish pursuit of private spiritual advancement. It is the rhythm of standing in the presence of the pain of the world and kneeling in the presence of the creator of that world, of bringing those two things together in the name of Jesus and by the victory of the cross. And when, as apprentice sons and apprentice daughters, we do these things, it brings us to the final phrase in our verse today. Hallowed be thy name. You see, when the apprentice sons and the apprentice daughters are doing the work 
of their father. The world sees and God's name is lifted up as holy. Jesus tells us just in the prior chapter, he says, let your good works, let your good deeds shine before men that they may see your good deeds and do what? Praise. Who? Your Father in heaven. When we as apprentice sons and apprentice daughters are about the work of our Father, about the rescue mission to bring healing and redemption from evil and injustice and fear and sin, His name is glorified in us and it gives us hearts that will pray that His goodness and His justice will be revealed in our world and in our time. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the privilege of calling you Father. Thank you for the privilege of being invited to sign on as an apprentice son, as an apprentice daughter. As we pray this prayer, as we approach our Father, help us to think of what it means to be your son, of what it means to be your daughter. May your name be lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. As I was thinking about being an apprentice, I was reminded of an apprenticeship that I did when I was in college. I signed on with a guy who trained hunting dogs, something I was passionate about and enjoyed and wanted to learn more about. And Part of what we did during that process was training dogs to stay away from rattlesnakes. I think we might have a picture, I don't know, maybe we're stuck. Oh yeah, that's actually the guy that I used to work for and um, one of the snakes, but uh, you know, part of that process and something I'd never done before was was the pleasant task of defanging a rattlesnake. And as I was thinking about a son looking to a father, an apprentice looking to the master, I don't think I've ever paid closer attention to how something is done than than when I needed to learn how to defang. A rattlesnake, uh, seeing how it was done, seeing how the master was doing it, uh, seemed critical to the task, if, if not my own survival. And God calls us into places and things that, that we have no experience in. And, and sometimes they can be treacherous, and, and sometimes they can be dangerous. But that's why our Father is there, that we can check in with Him see what he's doing, uh, to see how he's doing it, 
and to see where he's inviting us to be part of that process. Uh, so my hope for you, my, my prayer for you this week is that whatever God's showing you, and maybe he's shown you something today, that you take the time to check in with him. Say, God, what are you doing? And how do you want me to do it? Can you do that this week? Uh, let's close by praying the Lord's Prayer together one last time. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God bless you guys. Have a great week.